Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue a series that we began last Sunday entitled Four Hearts. And we began looking in Mark chapter 4. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there or you can follow along on the screen. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells what is called the parable of the sower. And we're going to jump into verse 13 where Jesus begins to explain this parable to his disciples and helps them to understand really what is the key to living a fruitful life. So Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? I'm going to stop there. I did last week. I'm going to stop again today and say that Jesus is basically saying right here that this parable is the key that unlocks every other parable. If you don't understand the truth of what he's saying in this parable, he said then you're going to struggle to understand everything else that he says through a parable. Remember, a parable is just a natural illustration that Jesus used to bring home a spiritual truth. So he talked about sowing seed, and he talked about raising sheep, and he talked about counting your coins, and he talked about prodigal sons. He talked about things that the people understood, things that me and you can relate to in the natural so he could bring home a spiritual truth that could impact our lives. And then he says in verse 15, or excuse me, verse 14, he says, And the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So the seed is the word of God. Verse 15, And the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. And the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear God's word, accept God's word, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. So in this parable, Jesus explains four soils, or what we're simply calling four hearts, the soil of our heart that determines the fruitfulness of our life. And last week we recognized something. We recognized that the same seed was sowed on all four soils, and that the same seed in one person's life produced no fruit, and the same seed in another person's life produced great fruit. And here was our conclusion. The conclusion was simply this. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Can I get an amen? God's word will work if we will work God's word. God's word will work if we will work God's word. So the problem isn't the seed of the word. The problem is the soil of our heart. And so last week we recognized that if I'm not happy with the fruit of my life, then I've got to change the soil of my heart. And we, we identified a couple things last week, and I'm not going to re-preach the message. You ought to go listen to it if you weren't here last Sunday. But we recognized the key to changing our heart was really all about changing our response to God's Word. If I am responsive and receptive to the Word of God, then God's Word takes root and produces fruit. If I am resistant and reject the Word of God, then God's Word does not produce fruit. Plain and simple, it is my heart's response to God's Word that produces whether, that determines whether my life produces the fruit of the Spirit or produces the works of the flesh, and it all is dependent on my heart's condition and response 
to the Word of God. And I hope, I hope that we are grabbing hold of these simple truths from this parable and allowing our words to be made, our hearts to be made responsive to the Word of God. So today what we're going to do, we're going to look at the two first types of soil or two hearts that Jesus described. Look at that first one. The first heart is called the footpath. We called it the hardened heart. And the hardened heart is the person who has no place in their heart for the Word of God. And Satan comes immediately to steal the seed of the Word. Jesus said the, the footpath or the hardened heart is the heart of a person who has no room in their heart for the Word of God. Their heart has become hardened. Their heart has become resistant to what God is saying and what God is wanting to do in their lives. And we're going to talk about in just a minute how do we get a hardened heart. Because the truth is, probably all of us in this room here today have had seasons or moments in our lives where our hearts were hardened to God's Word. And here's what's crazy about our hearts, and we talked about this last week. Your heart is an amazing thing in the sense that you can be receptive to God's Word in one area of your life and be totally resistant to God's Word in another area of your life. You can accept the seed of salvation, but reject the seed of deliverance. You can, you can accept the seed of, of restoration, but reject the seed of reformation that God wants to bring in your life to transform you into the person he's called us to be. And so our hearts are amazing things, and we have this capacity in our heart to be receptive in one area and rejective in another area. And so the goal is that our entire heart would become open to what God is wanting to do and what his word is saying into our lives. So I want you to see something about this first heart. Jesus said that when the seed is sowed on the hardened heart, that immediately Satan comes to steal away the seed of the word. I want you to recognize that Satan attacks the word. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit gave me this thought as I was studying this week. He said, Keith, have you ever considered that all spiritual warfare is really rooted in an attack against the Word of God. All spiritual warfare is really rooted in an attack against God's Word taking root in your life. Every time the seed is sown, Satan comes to steal the seed. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy the truth of God's Word out of your life. Why? Because Satan hates the Word of God, right? It is the seed of the Word, Jesus says, that crushes the head of Satan. And Satan knows that every time you receive the seed of truth, it brings freedom into your life. Every time you receive the seed of truth, it crushes the head of the enemy and brings liberty and freedom and deliverance and restoration and provision and protection into your life. And Satan hates the word because he knows that God's word is the thing that crushes his head. Jesus, the living word, the Bible, the written word, and the Holy Spirit who brings the quickened word into our life. All three of those aspects of God's word bring life and set us free. And so I begin to think about the idea that all spiritual warfare is really rooted in an attack against the Word of God. 
I want you to look with me at a couple of scriptures this morning. In Genesis chapter 3, we're all familiar with this. This is the first mention of Satan who is in the serpent at this time in the Bible. Look what the Bible says. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And Satan wants to put a question mark where Jesus put an exclamation point. Right? When Jesus said, it is finished, and all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, the devil wants to come in and remove that exclamation point that says, it is finished, and he wants to put a question mark and say, did God really say? Did God really say he'd save your family? Did God really say he could break those chains of bondage off your children? Did God really say he could restore your marriage? I mean, your marriage is, you know, it's more difficult than other marriages. Did God really say he could bless you and prosper you? Did God really say that you could be set free from anxiety and depression and fear and worry? Did God really say, does that really apply to you? And he comes in to attack the Word of God. Look with me in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is the story of Jesus' temptation with the devil. The Bible says, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God. What? He's talking to Jesus. The Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. The one who in the beginning said, let there be. And there was. The Word of God. And all of a sudden the devil says, if you are the Son of God. What was he doing? He was attacking his identity in the Word. He was attacking his identity in the Father. Are you really who God says you are? Are you really healed? Are you really delivered? Are you really free? Are you really the person God said you are called to be? Are all things really made new in Christ? Or are you still going to have to carry that baggage for the rest of your life? And Satan attacks the Word. And he attacks the Word. And he attacks the Word. And every time you start to receive the Word, and every time the Word of God is sowed into your life, there is a demonic attack where Satan wants to come and steal the seed of the Word. So think about it with me again. Think about it again like this. If all spiritual warfare is an attack against God's Word, then we have to overcome with the Word. I love what Jesus said in the very next verse. Jesus said, it is written. Y'all say that with me. It is written. Let's say it one more time. It is written. You know why that phrase is important? Because you can't say it is written unless you know what's written. Last Sunday, I encourage you, you need to read the Bible. You need to study the Bible. You need to meditate on the Bible. And you need to memorize the Bible. Why? Because you can't say it's written if you don't know what's written. You can't say it is written if you don't know what's written. And I want you to hear this. I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. <laughs> if the battle in your life is over the Word of God, then the only weapon that will win the battle has to be the Word of God. If the battle is over the Word of God, then the only weapon that will win the battle has to be the Word of God. You can't win a spiritual battle, listen to me, with mental, emotional, and financial weapons. Only the Word of God will work. Only the Word of God will work. You can't win a spiritual battle with carnal weapons of warfare. 
It's not enough mentally. It's not enough emotionally. It's not enough financially. How many of you understand that you can bail somebody out and 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 you can bail somebody out of trouble and you can spend the rest of your life, spend every dollar you have bailing them out of trouble, but until their heart changes, nothing changes. Until there is a spiritual breakthrough, all the money on the planet won't fix the problem in their heart. And I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. And I'm not saying we shouldn't financially support people that are trying to find freedom in Christ. But this is what I know. A a mental victory, an emotional victory, and a financial victory are not the victories we need when it comes to a spiritual battle. We need to do everything mentally. We need to do everything emotionally. We need to do everything financially we can to create an atmosphere that is conducive for God to work. But at the end of the day, the only weapon of warfare that's going to win the battle is going to be the Word of God. Ephesians 6 says, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're not warring with the Word, you're losing. And the truth is, we lose a lot of battles. Because we try to outsmart the devil with our own strategies and our own schemes and our own ideas. And we have all these great ideas. I don't know about y'all, I have a lot of great ideas. Kelly don't always agree, but I have a lot of great ideas. And all my great ideas are wonderful and great and kind. But when it comes to a spiritual battle, I don't need a great idea. I need a word from God. I don't don't need a great idea. I need a word from God. Because if it's a spiritual battle and the battle is over the word of God, then the only weapon to defeat that enemy is the word of God. And Jesus, who was the son of God, who was the living word of God, when he was tempted by the enemy, he said, it is is written and if Jesus used the word of God as his weapon of warfare to defeat the enemy how dare we think that any other strategy will work amen so let's talk about this hardened heart because the hardened heart listen to this is the heart of a person who has been hurt who has been wounded or disappointed And because of the hurt, the wound, or the disappointment, they have believed the lies of the enemy. And they have allowed unbelief to harden their heart against God. Think about it like this. No one wakes up one day and says, today I'm going to harden my heart against God. And I'm going to live in misery and unbelief till the day I die. (laughs) Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up and says, today I'm going to harden my heart against the Lord. No, but you know what does happen every day? Every day we get hurt. Every day we get wounded. Every day we deal with disappointments. Every day we face trauma and tragedy and grief and sorrow. Every day we deal with life. And if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, if we're not on guard, if we're not not consistently renewing our minds with the Word of God, then guess what will happen? Satan will come in. Hear me today. Satan uses deception to lead us to unbelief. If he can deceive us into believing a lie that God doesn't care or God really doesn't, or this really doesn't matter or God can't do that or God won't do that or there's something wrong with you. I'm convinced that many times the accusations of the enemy are not just exalted toward God, they're exalted, they're, they're, uh, they're directed toward us. And many times I believe God's able, I just think I'm flawed and I can't receive what God wants to do in my life and so I'm just doomed to live my life this way. 
And all of a sudden you recognize as long as you believe the lie, you live the lie. And Satan uses the hurts, the traumas, the pains of our life to cause us to harden our heart toward God and move to a place of unbelief where we begin to resist the Word of God. I've met people who have went through tragic loss, and there's nothing like the tragic loss of a loved one. I've met people who have went through tragic loss who have grieved for years because in their mind they believed the lie. Here's what it sounds like. I'll never get over it. You know, I lost my loved one, and I'll never get over it. I lost my spouse, I'll never get over it. I lost my kid, I'll never get over it. I lost my father, I'll never get over it. I lost my mother, I'll never get over it. You know what that is? That's a lie. That's a lie that hardens our heart with this thing called unbelief. Where we have now, we have now segregated an area of our heart wounded by grief. And we've said, God, this is off limits because I'll never get over that. And I'm going to carry that pain with me for the rest of my life. How many know that's not the will of God? And let's just be really, really honest. That's not even the will of the person you're grieving over. The last thing they want you to do is spend the rest of your life grieving over them. They want you to honor them and love them and live your life in a way that brings glory to God. And so out of hurt, out of pain, out of trauma, our hearts get hardened and we allow the enemy to deceive us into believing these lies that form this this segregated area of unbelief in our heart. And and the truth is, I'm going to say it again, the truth is all of us have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt, right? We've all had areas in our lives where our hearts got hardened. And, And let me tell you one of the best indicators that you have a hardened heart. You're no longer believing for things you used to believe for. There was a time in your life you were really believing God for something. You were believing God for a breakthrough. You were believing God for a ministry. You were believing God for an opportunity. You were believing God maybe for a job or a promotion or financial endeavor. You were believing God for something in your marriage or something in your family. But over time, because of disappointment, it's not that you ever said, I don't believe God can't do that. You just no longer actively believed it. And all of a sudden, a little bit of your heart became hardened through unbelief. And we just begin to accept things as they are and think that nothing's ever really going to change. And the enemy wins our hearts one spot at a time. So we have to guard our hearts. Here's what has to happen, guys. We have to believe again. Look at the last part. Of that last statement, this person with a hardened heart, me and you, we have to believe again. We have to renounce the lies of the enemy and simply accept the truth of God's word. I just got to believe again. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. And Joseph got ridiculed for his dreams. And Joseph got mocked for his dreams. And Joseph got imprisoned for his dreams. And, and the Bible says after he shared his first dream and he got ridiculed and mocked and rebuked by his father and his brothers, the Bible says he dreamed again. He dreamed another dream. See, if we're not careful, we'll we'll allow unbelief to harden our heart and we'll stop dreaming another dream. We'll stop believing for greater things. And we'll just settle into this is how it's going to be and this is what my life is meant to be and nothing's ever really going to change. And here's what has to happen. I just got to renounce that lie. I just got to be willing to acknowledge it. Lord, I believed a lie. 
And I've been hurt and I've been wounded and I've been disappointed and, and I've allowed those things to, to creep into my life and Satan has used those things to come against me and, and I'm just going to renounce it in the name of Jesus. And God, I'm just going to believe your word that you're good, that you're a good father. And that you desire to give me your kingdom and every good thing that you have planned for me, God, you've purchased and paid for through your son Jesus. And I want everything you got. Amen. I remember being early on in the ministry. We'd been pastoring for a couple years, and I remember, I remember my prayer almost every day was this, God, I want everything you got for me. And as I was praying and preparing for this message, the Lord just reminded me. He said, Keith, when's the last time you prayed that prayer? Been a while. God, I want everything you got for me. Amen. Look at that next point. The second heart that we're going to look at today is called the shallow heart. Jesus said this person has no spiritual depth to their life. They hear the word and they receive it with joy, but because their, their heart is shallow and filled with rocky soil, he said there's no deep roots and it doesn't last. The word of God never takes root because their heart is shallow and rocky. They acknowledge God. Think about this. Especially when they need something, but they don't abide in him or his word. I want you to hear me now. There's a huge difference between acknowledging God, the devil does that, and abiding in Christ. See, it's only when the seed remains that we can produce fruit. See, everybody acknowledges God when there's an initial problem. I believe even atheists, they probably wouldn't admit it, but I believe even atheists, when they're first confronted with a problem, their first thought is, oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> God, if you're real. And the truth is, all of us as Christians, especially as Christians, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when something happens, when something goes wrong, when there's a challenge, a problem, a difficulty, our first response is to acknowledge God. And that's awesome. But what happens many times is we acknowledge the truth of God, but we don't abide in that truth. We come to church and we hear a word and we're like, woohoo! And then we go home and all hell breaks loose and we're like, oh no! Right? We go from woohoo to oh no! We get excited about receiving the word, but because there's no depth in us, he didn't say there was no depth in the word. There was no depth in the soil. The problem, again, is not the seed. The problem is the soil. There was no spiritual depth. Why? Because the word has to abide in you. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So these were believers. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Listen to me today. The truth that makes you free is the truth that abides in you. The truth that makes you free is the truth that abides in you. And we're all guilty. I'm guilty of hearing an awesome word and acknowledging the word, but not abiding in the word. 
acknowledging breakthrough but not abiding in breakthrough. Acknowledging God's faithfulness but not abiding in His faithfulness. Acknowledging His Lordship but not abiding in His Lordship. Acknowledging His provision but not abiding in His provision. Acknowledging His grace but not abiding in His grace. Acknowledging His wisdom but not abiding in His wisdom. Acknowledging His favor but not abiding in His favor. And if we're not careful, we'll be shallow-hearted Christians who get excited about acknowledging truth. But we don't abide in truth. And the only truth that sets you free is the truth that you abide in. Let me tell you what, what has to happen. The seed has to remain in the soil for it to produce fruit. And unbelief, hear me today. But let me tell you what I know in the knowing the spiritual. Nobody plants a seed today and expects a harvest tomorrow. Nobody. You don't plant watermelon seed today and go out tomorrow and get mad because there's no watermelon. There's no watermelon. You just don't do it. You understand, hey, the seed's got to remain in the soil. There's going to be this thing called time. There's seed, time, and harvest. I wish it was seed and harvest, but God said seed, time, and harvest. Because you know what the time requires? The time requires faith. I got to believe that God's doing something even when I can't see it. Come on. I got to believe that God's doing something even when I don't feel it. Come on. I got to believe that God's doing something when that dirt looks just like the same dirt I planted that seed in six months ago. But what happens with unbelief is unbelief wants us to dig up the seed of the word and replace it with something else with the ideologies and philosophies of this world. Well, my cousin said do this, and my brother said do this, and you know, I read this on social media, Lord help us, Jesus. And all of a sudden, we're following the counsel of the world instead of abiding in the truth of the word, and then we wonder why we're not seeing fruit. Well, you're not seeing fruit because every time you get discouraged, you dig up the seed to see if it's still working. Mm -hmm. And every time you dig it up, guess what? You start over. So God is calling us to abide. Look what Jesus said in John 15. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, he says, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much. Come on, somebody. Much fruit. That's what God has for me and you. Much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Man, it's the seed of the word. It's the vine. It's Jesus abiding in us and us abiding in him that produces fruit. Apart from him, there is no fruit. Look what he goes on to say. I am the vine, you're the branches. He abides in me, bears fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, and if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You want to glorify God? Bear fruit. How do you bear fruit? You got to abide in Christ and let His Word abide in you. You got to read the Bible. You got to study the Bible. You got to meditate on the Bible. And you got to memorize the Bible. God's Word's got to be the meat that you eat and the milk that you drink and the nourishment that you take because you can't not only not say it is written, but you can't plant a seed you haven't received. Yes. You've got to receive it and then abide in it. Let's talk about that a little more. Look at that next point. So the shallow heart, Jesus said, never produces fruit 
Because when trouble and persecution comes because of the word. I want you to understand, because of the word of God, there's going to be persecution and trouble. Let me give you a revelation today. Resistance is normal. Resistance is normal. If you're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you're abiding in the vine, resistance is normal. I'm not saying every day is a horrible battle. I'm not saying every day is hard and difficult. I enjoy my life. I'm just telling you, I get up every day with joy in my heart and pep in my step because I'm excited about what God is doing. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice, and I'll be glad in it. But there are problems, and there are difficulties, and there are challenges. They just don't rule my day. Why? Because I understand resistance is normal. As a matter of fact, no resistance is abnormal. Because Satan attacks the Word. The world comes against the Word. How many of you know that a godly belief system will create persecution from a secular culture that denies the truth of God's Word? Man, you just stand for truth and the world will hate you. You just stand for truth and the world will come against you. You just stand for truth and the world will bombard you with persecution and attack. And that's not abnormal. That is normal. And the fact that you are swimming upstream ought to encourage you. Jesus said, woe when all men speak well of you. He said, when everybody likes you, you ought to be worried. Because you're probably going with the flow. So listen to this. They fall away because of persecution and tribulation. They follow their emotions, their circumstances, or the path of least resistance. But this person, listen to this last point. This person has to abide in Christ. Right? If we're going to be, if we're going to say, God, I'm not going to be a shallow-hearted Christian. I'm not just going to receive the word. I'm going to abide in the word. Then guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to commit to God's word. I'm going to have to commit to the word of God. And I'm going to have to fight for a fruitful life. You got to fight for a fruitful life. This morning, the Holy Spirit just quickened in my heart. If you remember the story of Abraham in the Old Testament, Abraham was making a covenant with God. He split the animals in pieces. Y'all remember that story? If you don't, you can go home and read it in the book of Genesis. He cut these animals in pieces. And the Bible says, while he was waiting on God to seal the covenant, he fought off the birds of the air. You know why? He was fighting for his covenant with God. And you got to fight. For the covenant that you have with God. Jesus paid the price so that we are in covenant. Come on, somebody. We are in covenant with God. I'm not fighting to get in covenant with God. But now what I'm fighting for is the fruit of that covenant. To be manifested in my life. And I've got to fight for my healing. I've got to fight for my deliverance. I've got to fight for my family. I've got to fight for my breakthrough. How do I fight? I abide in Him and let His Word abide in me. And I begin to decree and declare the Word of God. I walk in the Word. I obey the Word. I speak the Word. I live the Word. I meditate on the Word. And God's Word is life and God's Word is spirit. And out of the Word comes fruit. And out of the Word comes victory. And if you're not in the Word, then you're probably defeated. Because without the seed of the Word, there is no fruit. Oh, you can have the fruit of religion. I don't want that. How about you? You can have the fruit of morality. That's a wonderful thing, but that's not the high thing. 
I want to be like Rob talked about. I want to be a man after God's own heart. And if I'm going to do that, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to fight for the word. I'm going to have to fight for that word. I'm going to have to abide in Christ and let his word abide in me. And then i got to fight for that fruit to come together. i got to be willing to fight for it. I want, I want to ask you to do something today. Let's just close our eyes for a minute. We're going to do two things today. I'm going to start out by talking to those of you here today or those of you watching online that may not know Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the fruit of salvation. Maybe you've acknowledged that Jesus is Lord, but you've never accepted Jesus as Lord. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord and then accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. Maybe you've acknowledged him, but you're not abiding in him. And Jesus said, you must be born again. So maybe that's what's never really happened. Maybe you've never been born again. But today is the day of salvation, the Bible says, and now is the appointed hour. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith? I've never really accepted that seed of salvation. I've acknowledged God, but I'm not abiding in Him. My heart's never been changed. Maybe you've been going through religious motions. Maybe you've been going to church and reading your Bible and praying, but you know there's no life in it. It's just ritual. I want to tell you something. When you meet Jesus and you get born again, there's life. You go from being dead to being alive, from being blind to where you can see, from being deaf to where you can hear. And today Jesus died on a cross, rose again on the third day, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, the Bible says, but have everlasting life. Today, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, you can be born again. You can be saved from the sins of your past. You can be grafted into the family of God. And you can become a child of the King. And if that's you today, and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to accept the seed of salvation. And I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, every head's bowed. I just want you just to raise your hand all over this building. Just a simple act of faith. Today, I want to be born again. Today, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. As your hand goes up, our ushers are going to come slip a little packet in your hand. And I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. If you're watching online, you can just type... In that little chat box, I'm raising my hand. I want to be born again. You can hit that little hand emoji, and we would love to pray with you. Because this is the hour. This is the moment. This is your time. I want to be born again. We're about to pray with those that raise their hands. If you're, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, I want to just tell you right now, the devil wants to deceive you. He wants to deceive you into putting off this most important decision. He wants to deceive you into pushing away instead of drawing near. But today's the day that we draw near. The Bible says an unbelieving heart turns away, but a believing heart draws near to God. By faith, we draw near. And if you want to draw near to Jesus today and say, Lord, I want you to save me and be my Lord and Savior. I want you right now. We're about to pray. Raise your hand. Raise your hand across this room right now. We're going to pray right now. Let's pray with those that have raised their hands. All of you here today, I want to ask everybody to just say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. I confess that I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the seed of salvation, who is Jesus Christ. And I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise real quick. I'm going to let you do something with me. I'm going to let you stand to your feet for just a minute, and I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come. And we're going to close with an altar call. And this is what I want to do today is I want to just open the altars up, and maybe you want to come and pray with somebody. Maybe you just want to come and kneel before the Lord. That's entirely up to you. But I want to challenge you today with this thought. I want to challenge you with this thought here today. Is there any area in your heart that has been hardened against the Lord? Is there any area in your heart where you used to believe and you just don't believe? If that's you today, I want to challenge you. Make your way to the altar. I want to challenge you today and say, come, just to come this morning and say, God, I want to deal with any area of my heart that's become hardened. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been disappointed. I know you've faced challenges and difficulties, and I know that you've suffered loss, but I want to just tell you today, Satan is a liar. And he wants to deceive us into closing our hearts when in reality God wants us to open our hearts. So if you recognize today, maybe there's an area in my heart that I'm just not open like I used to be. Maybe I've allowed unbelief to slip in. I just want to come and pray. Maybe you need to renounce some things. Maybe you recognize there's some lies that you've believed in your own heart about God or maybe about yourself. Maybe you've disqualified yourself from receiving what God has. If that's you this morning, the altar's open. I want you to come. If you're here today, maybe you recognize, Pastor Keith, man, maybe there's some shallow areas of my heart today. There's some areas in my life where, where I recognize that, that I've acknowledged God's truth, but I'm not really abiding in it. I'm not fighting for it. I'm not fighting for my freedom. I'm not fighting for my victory. I'm not fighting for my breakthrough. Maybe there was a time in my life I did fight for it, but I'm not fighting for it anymore. If that's you right now, just let's bow our heads for just a minute. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The altar's open right now. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about an area in your heart that's just not right with the Lord, you want to just come and today's just a good day to make it right. Today's just a good day to say, God, I want to I I get rid of that hardened heart. I want to get rid of that shallow heart. I want to abide in you. We'd love to fight with you today. We'd love to pray with you today. Maybe you just want to bend a knee and bow, bow before the Lord in the altar and say, God, today I, I renounce those lies. And I ask you to heal my heart. And this is a holy moment. This is an opportunity for you to know him and experience him and receive from Jesus every good and every perfect gift that he has for you there's life in his word there's life in his word and the seed of the spirit is sown today so that whosoever would believe would not perish so father I just pray your blessing today over your people I thank you for the seed of your word that has went forth today and I pray that it would fall on good soil that beginning with me that our hearts would be open and responsive tender and receptive to what you're saying and what you're doing. God, that we would refuse to allow unbelief to rule any area of our heart, that we would refuse 
Father, to just be shallow-hearted. God, we want to go deep. We want your word to go deep in us. And so, Father, I ask you for a depth of your word today. I ask you that your word would abide in us and that we would abide in you. And that today would be a day of breakthrough. That we could mark our lives by this day because we received and responded to your word. And we ask it today, Father, this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.